one of the most unique stories of motherhood uh, comes from history and telling us about Susanna Wesley. Uh, Susanna Wesley, you may recognize that name, is the mother of John and Charles Wesley. Uh, In the late 1600s and early 1700s, Susanna Wesley married to Samuel, who was not the most faithful husband uh, at all, but yet she gave birth 19, well, to 19 children. There were two sets of twins, but only 10 children survived, two of which were John and Charles Wesley. You recognize John Wesley's name as being the founder of Methodism or the Methodist Church. Um, but uh, she was a very faithful mother and gave her efforts and her strength. She homeschooled her children before uh, homeschool was cool. <laughs> she, she taught them, and the hours were from 9 to 12. Then they would take a break. And then from 2 o'clock until 5 o'clock every day, those were the school hours that Susanna Wesley taught her children, the essential rudiments, uh, essential matters uh, of, of life and education. Uh, but she did that Monday through Saturday. Sunday was the Lord's Day, and she had her family uh, in church. Her husband was not known to pay his debts, and uh, uh, this is, uh, they were in England. Epworth, England was the town. And he spent time, and that day they had a thing, might not be a bad idea today, called debtor's prison. And he spent much time there. And so she did their job of raising these ten children on her own. Her son, John, had great notoriety as a theologian, uh, as, a, as a minister. And he asked his mother many times for um, help in understanding biblical truth and for guidance. When he was six or seven years old, John Wesley said then, at that young of age, that he would probably never get married because, quote, I could never find such a woman as my father did. Her children will rise up and call her blessed. She died at age 73, and at her death in 1742, John Wesley spoke of his mother in this way, saying she possessed that holy and heavenly wisdom that she gave to them, these ten children. That's a great example and a great encouragement to us to read historically of these who have been great mothers. But the Word of God gives us even better a divinely inspired, godly initiated example of a grandmother, of a mother. I've spoken on it before, but I uh, invite you, direct you to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we think on the subject of grandmotherly religion. I don't like the term religion per se, but I'm using it today uh, to, to help you to grasp what's found in the faith of this grandmother, Lois, and mother, Eunice, that was passed down to son, Timothy. Let's read in the scripture beginning at verse 3, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Why filled with joy? Well, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. May God add His blessings to the reading and hearing of His Word, and may we understand it and apply it in our lives and our situations as well. There are features that are mentioned here in these verses that describes the faith of Granny Lois and Mama Eunice. The Spirit of God was inspiring these words of Paul, but Paul was impressed by what he saw in Eunice and Lois and the difference that it made in Timothy. I think most of us acknowledge and recognize the saying and know it to be true. As goes the home, so goes the society. What we see happening before our very eyes in this country today can be attributed right back to the home and the failure of mothers and fathers, the absence of many fathers. That even brings to question here, where was the father of Timothy? Well, many believe that he was dead. He was a Gentile, a Greek, but possibly Timothy, excuse me, Paul stepped in and supplied some things to young Timothy in his life in a mentoring relationship that would show the difference that a father can make in a home as well. I see five features in these verses that would describe what I'm calling grandmotherly religion, that would describe the faith of Eunice, Lois, and Timothy. So much so that the Spirit of God acknowledged it in the record of the Scripture for us today. What do we see? Well, I see in verses 3 and 4 feelings. Feelings. Paul is addressing Timothy and he's he's using... you, You see an emotional bond that is with this family. There was a, a relationship here that could be described as a a relationship of, of feelings, not emotional, sappy, that had no sustenance, but of genuine love. It begins with that. He says, I thank God, praying as I pray with a pure conscience without ceasing, greatly desiring to see you, mindful of your tears, and wanting to experience the joy. Paul, as he addressed, he gave his prayers. He, 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 he acknowledged his longing for them. Oh, that, that we could see that there was something about this family, something about the, this grandmother, this mother, this son, that Paul uh, is acknowledging pushed by the Spirit of God, moved by the Spirit of God to acknowledge. 
He prayed for them. He longed to be with them. And he had joy for a certain number of things that we acknowledge. And there was something that that maybe there was anxiety in this home because he says that I'm acknowledge or I'm mindful of your tears. It was a home that had had some sorrow. Maybe it was the sorrow over Timothy's natural father passing. Let's not build much on speculative theology, but uh, there was something here that Paul acknowledges the feelings of this family. I wonder today in our homes, mothers, and I think we could say fathers, uh, even ask the question of fathers, what, what is it, what kind of feeling is in your home? What kind of an emotional build up or breakdown is there in your home? Paul acknowledges that. Paul, the keen, philosophically trained, uh, university-trained mind uh, of Paul, he, he was in favor of this family. He acknowledges their backdrop of an emotional feelings there. We certainly acknowledge that the Bible would give a description of families that have uh, proper emotions. What are those? I'm not certain I know, but, but that we know how to cry. That we know how to be moved. That we know and understand the right relationship that, that's there. And so, so Paul says, I'm praying for you. I, I do it with a pure conscience. He, he, he loved this family and the emotional setting that this family dwelt in. But let's get into the other features as well of grandmotherly religion. He says in verse 5, when I have joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. He's acknowledging Timothy as having an unfeigned faith, a genuine faith. And so what qualities do we notice of this relationship that this family had? Faithfulness, an unfeigned faith, the genuine article, not merely of the head, but the heart. A genuine faith, not just an intellectual acceptance, although that's important, but that, that which was a complete trust of the whole heart, the whole being. And I'm, I'm convinced when Paul speaks of this faith, he's speaking of faith in Christ. We are saved as we trust Christ, that He died in our stead on the cross of Calvary. He paid the sin debt fully and totally. That's a matter of trust, and it's the initial initial faith by which we are born again. The Lord borns us again, I guess we could say, or births us. But but faith is that channel by which We acknowledge He died for us. He paid our debt. He was buried and raised the third day. We have initial trust, initial faith in Him. Paul's acknowledging that, that that was true in Timothy. That was true in Granny Eunice. That was true in Mama Lois. Can that be said of you today? That you have initial faith. And I'm no doubt convinced that Paul is acknowledging that initial faith. But there is also a continual faith. 
When we have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, then day by day by day, uh, we, we trust Him. Look at it this way. Ephesians 2.8 talks of the initial faith. For by grace are we saved. My friend, you're not saved any other way, not by what you do. Timothy wasn't saved because he had done good works. He was saved by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. Faith is a channel, the conduit, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then... 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 speaks of that continual faith. We are saved by faith, but we walk by faith. We walk by faith, day by day, trusting in the Lord. Initial faith, continual faith. You have faith in the Lord when storms come. Paul addresses Timothy and acknowledges that it brought him joy because he saw the faith of Lois, of Eunice, of Timothy. But then there's not only feelings and faithfulness that I think describes this relationship, this grandmotherly religion, but there is fruitfulness. Look what he says. I have joy when I call a remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, in Timothy, which dwelt, wonderful word there, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. Here he's speaking of a fruitfulness, a fruitfulness that he speaks of. Uh, how did Timothy come to faith? Well, many believe that he's a disciple of Paul. Listen to me, folks, and this is important. No one comes to Christ without there being a chain of events. Someone has to plant. Someone has to water. But it's God who gives the increase. We understand that. No one comes to Christ. While Paul may could say Timothy is his convert, I have no doubt that Eunice who came to faith, Grandmother Eunice came to faith at Lycus, and the ministry of Paul crossed her path there. And Eunice told Lois, or I've got that backwards, his grandmother Lois. Lois came to faith at Lycus, and Lois told Eunice. And there's no doubt that they planted that seed, or maybe even that Timothy came to faith through their sharing of the gospel. Fruitfulness. The problem in America is the problem of the home. And homes that are no longer like that of Susanna Wesley, which was England, obviously, but even numerous ones in, in America. Many of you can testify of how mothers gave you uh, the gospel and taught you the truth of the scripture. I saw it in Grandmother Lois. They caught it from one another. In this era of the pandemic, when we have drilled into our minds so much about catching something, Catching a virus. May I ask this morning, what are our children, what are your grandchildren catching from you that's far more eternal 
than a virus. Do we have that kind of concern for that? You may say, well, there's time. We'll just wait. Let's deal with this now. That's not the approach of the Scripture. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. The home is the place where the gospel needs to be placed into the incubator, if you will. In the home where where children need to hear the gospel. In every effort to strengthen those homes, churches ought to take that stand. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Learn first to show piety at home, faithfulness, holiness at home. Grandmothers, mothers, is that what they're catching? Even the Great Commission speaks of home first religion, the divine order. You began at Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. Oh, that's where it began for Timothy with grandmother and mother. And then Paul says that I'm convinced it's in thee also. People are almost always drawn to God by a chain, a link, several links. Paul might have been the last link, but the mother might have been the first link. Granny might have been uh, the next link. In some way or another, sowing and reaping takes place. Grandmotherly religion involves feelings, emotional relationship, faithfulness, fruitfulness, and then fourthly, fearlessness. Look at verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fearlessness. Timothy, we understand, was to be the church, uh, the leader of the church at Ephesus. And there was a lot going on in Ephesus. If you read in the, uh, the, just the book of Ephesians, you can see some of the things that he's addressing. But if you, you dig deeper into the historical setting of that church, and the temple of Diana and the temple prostitutes and all of that pagan worship and that, that, that pagan culture. And it was in that setting that Timothy had been dropped off to minister. And Timothy, what's the name Timothy mean? Timid. And Paul says to this timid one, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Oh, this grandmotherly religion that Paul is talking about here to Timothy that dwelt in Eunice, the uh, mother, and Lois, the grandmother. He says, fear not. Have no fear. Have a fearlessness, not a, not a, a, a human boldness, but rather a God-given trust. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Paul writes to brace Timothy up and to give him what he needs to minister that he need not fear. He has such a God above him and before him and behind him and beneath him to brace him up. David said in Psalm 56 in verse 3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That verse is precious to me because when I was just a, a young boy, my mother taught me that verse. It was the first verse 
that I recall my mother teaching me. There was some storm that was going on and we were gathering in a bedroom that had a feather bed in it. That was our storm shelter. And it was bad enough. We never went anywhere for a storm. We looked out the window to see it at my house. But uh, we went to that bedroom with a feather bed. And it's it's bad. It's scary. And the thunder and lightning. And I remember my mother saying, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I was talking to my brother, who's two and a half years older than me, just the other day. And we were talking, I don't know, we were talking about storms. I guess he had checked on us after some of these things that have gone through here and some of you have suffered from as well. And, and he told me the same story. He said, not of, not of the feather bed. He was in the car with my mother going somewhere. And she told him, Phil, Psalm 56.3 teaches us that whenever we're afraid, we trust in the Lord. I thank my God for that. Paul said that Timothy had been given a spirit, not of fear, but of trust, fearlessness. Oh, that we would have the right kind of fear. What is fear? Well, it's reverence for God. It's trusting in God and not in your circumstances. A right fear. It could have been said that he feared man so little Because he feared God so much. Could that be said of you? The Proverbs as well as the Psalm, Psalm 111 verse 10, teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Could it be the reason so so many people today are ignorant in our land is because they don't know how to fear the Lord? They don't have the right kind of fear. There's little place among modern people today for fear of the Lord. There is a flippant familiarity with God. We see it in every realm of life. Grandmotherly religion that Paul is joyful about, that he acknowledges, is that this was a home where there were feelings, a home where there was faith, a home where there was fruit, a home where there was no fear except fear for the Lord. And lastly, there was a forcefulness. Verse 6 and 7, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Probably the prophetic gift to go and to minister at Ephesus. And Paul, and we see in this maybe the foreshadowing of ordination that we do often today for God-called ministers and Uh, pastors, but Paul says to remind you to stir that up. The words for stir up in the original language, uh, it's an interesting word. It has the, the concept or the idea of catching fire. Get fired up in life about the gift that God has given you, what the Spirit of God is doing in you. Now, he's speaking singularly of the Gift in verse 6. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. The calling, the unction of the Spirit of God. So that's singular. But then there's plural. For God's not giving you a spirit of fear. But what has He given you? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power. Defensive power, offensive power. Negative, positive 
power, utterly glorious power of the Lord. You don't have to live the carnal life. You don't have to live in sin. He's given you power and love. What a balance to power. Romans 11 and verse 22 uh, speaks of the goodness and severity of God. Goodness, love, severity, power. We see the balance to that. David said in Psalm 101 in verse 1 that I'll sing of mercy and judgment. There's a balance that God, that is a God-ordained power and love. And then look, lastly, the gifts. The third gift is that of a sound mind. You might read that self-control. A lot of people erroneously jerked this verse out of context during the uh, pandemic and said, I ain't scared of the, uh, the storm of this virus and I'll not worry about it. I'll not wear a mask. I'll not take a vaccine. And they'll even quote this verse. God's not given me a spirit of fear. Did He give you a sound mind? Self-control? I think there's a biblical, uh, we won't get into that, but you could use the word temperance there, uh, self-control. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit as well. And it brings a forcefulness into the life of the obedient Christian. Paul acknowledges this in the life of Timothy. And that that chain of events that brought him to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grandmotherly religion. Or we might say it this way, whether you're a mother of a child or not, whether you're male or female, have you this type of faith? Does this describe, biblically, does this describe your walk with the Lord? That of feelings, that of faith, that of fruit, that of fearlessness, that of forcefulness, given the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Only through Christ. Have you laid your sins upon the Lord Jesus Christ? By faith are you trusting in Him? That's the initial faith that we begin with. But then we walk by faith. And there should be something like this that's evident in our life. Something like this, mothers, grandmothers, that's caught by our children, our grandchildren, that they see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Are you grateful that He saved you, that you've been able to lay your sins upon the Lord Jesus and that He transforms you into such a follower? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the scripture which is our guide in every matter of faith and practice. We thank you, Father, for salvation that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you this morning that if there's a person in this room that has never believed upon Christ, may they see that He's the only way that sinners, of which we all are, that sinners can be saved is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And today may He be exalted while we examine the life of Eunice and Lois and Timothy. Even more so, may we exalt the Lord Jesus who transformed Eunice, Lois, Timothy, and so many others, so numerous others, that we rejoice in salvation in Christ alone. 
Save souls today is our prayer. And may we who are saved, may we commit to walk by faith, not by sight, that we might have that which our children, our grandchildren, even others, our neighbors, our friends, that they might catch that which we and the world might call our religion, but we know to be our faith, our walk. May you be glorified in every response here today, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.